Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. All right, there we go. Nice, nice. So this morning, before I get started, um, how many of you guys made it out Thursday night to the family the family dinner thing we had? That was fun. I'm, sorry, like Jamie. Okay, so Jamie, we had a good time, eh? Brian, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Brian and Ashley, well, Ashley didn't come. Jill was there. I was there. It was, we had a great time. Where did everybody go? Oh my gosh, we had a great time. What's that? Rapture. Wow, they're just, they're outside going. <laughs> Do you know what? I remember as a kid trying that out, rapture practice, because that was the theology that we believed back then. I was like 10 or 11, and so I thought, well, if I'm going to go, I want to look good going. <laughs> Jumping off the stages at school. It was awesome. Anyway, yeah, so Thursday night we had a great time. We had like 45 people or something in Rotterdam and Rand's place. Yeah, I was out barbecuing. I walk in and the entire kitchen is full. And I was like, this is awesome. It was just really fun. So we're going to plan on stuff like that, um, you know, in the future. And um, Deanne's looking into actually booking out the the um, the bowling alley. If um, So, yeah, we're just going to, you know. And if you, those of you with arthritis, like... That's going to be a great testimony of of just like I'm going to test my faith and I'm going to throw a ball and I can I will even if you have arthritis I will let you throw a ball at me because I know that there'll be no chance of getting hit. <laughs> so that that will work on that work on your you know and if I get hit then I'll know you're healed and then you can pray for me for healing. Right? That's awesome. <laughs> so, no, it was good. All right, let's get started. Um, a, dunk, a dunking tank. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. Dunk the pastor, right? No rhubarb for you. No rhubarb, Chris, for you. <laughs> All right. Um... Where are we going to go? If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, the book of Romans. We're going to look at Romans. You can actually turn anywhere because the entire book of Romans is good. It's good stuff. I'll tell you where to turn in a few minutes. But I was uh, having having lunch with a friend this this morning. No, having lunch with a friend this week. And uh, we got talking about what does it mean, what does it look like to walk in the Spirit? You know, we hear this. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> He's alive. <laughs> He's happy. That's a good thing. That's okay. Um, we're talking about what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? You know, we've heard the, we've heard the phrase... Uh, and it kind of turns into a religious thing of, brother, are you walking in the spirit or are you walking in your flesh? 
and I just, I coil, I kind of recoil when, when religious, um, statements get delivered my way, I tend to shut them down. Like just internally, like I'll just go like, Oh, I have no time for this because it's what's happened is we've, we've walked in a culture where phrases are what's they're rote. You know what I mean? Like they become, you know, truth becomes dead because they've just become empty words. You know what I mean? So like, are you walking in the spirit or are you walking in your flesh has become a, a, just a, a, a dead sentence or yeah, it's exactly, it's never a positive. Yeah. It's like, it's like, well, obviously if you're asking me, I'm walking in my flesh now, I want to, I don't know how I want to do this, but I know I want to. And the Holy Spirit really wants to highlight this, I believe, because it's been on my heart all week and I haven't been able to shake it, even though I wanted to preach on Matthew 24 and, and talk about the end of the world and stuff like that. Because um, I just thought that would just be fun. Um, but seriously, like, I, I was, I've been chewing on this, this statement, and it's found in Romans 8. And I think the way that I want to unpack this is we're just going to start reading Romans chapter 8 a little bit. And I want to just kind of highlight a few things as we go through it. Before we go any deeper, I want to give a little bit of historical context to the book of Romans. I don't know if you realize when it was written and who it was written to. Obviously, it was written to, to the Romans. But Paul wrote this book in roughly um, 56 AD. Okay, so... It was a few years after Christ had died and rose, you know, resurrected and, and went, ascended. So 56 AD, what was happening at that time was the church had actually been growing. There was thousands and thousands of Christians around the known world at that time. And Paul had heard about a church in, in, in Rome that he had never visited yet. Like he hadn't been there, even though that's good, that was going to be the place where he would eventually die. So, but he had heard about this group of Christians that were there and they were struggling with, um, with some of the tenets of their faith because nobody had actually spoken to them and um, taught them about Christ in some of the ways that Paul wanted to talk to him about. So when he wrote this, he wrote the entire book as one letter. Remember in the past, we've, I've, I've said, okay, you need to know the context of it so you can't just pull sections out and go, oh, hey, this is what it means when the chapter before and the chapter af- afterwards kind of clarify what he's talking about, right? So it's got to, we have to read the Bible in a, in a context that is, that is complete. Romans chapter 8 is, is a snapshot of things that Paul was talking about before and afterwards, but you can actually take Romans chapter 8 and get a whole lot out of it because it talks about what it really means to be living in a new covenant reality, living by the Spirit, living in Jesus. All right? So that's kind of the context. So he, he wrote it to convey to the Christians living there what it meant to be new creations. And so if you have your Bibles, iPads, phones, however you want to follow along, let's look at 
Romans chapter 8. So verse 1, it says, Now the case is closed. That's an interesting introduction. Case closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in a life union with Jesus, the Anointed One. We could just go home right now because that packs a wallop. We live in a society, we live even in a Christian society that gives us condemnation. That says, because you do this or because you've done this, you can no longer. You know, my dad grew up in a Christian um, society, uh, society, no, Christian culture that said, you're, you're divorced, so you can no longer serve in this church. Wow, that, that doctrine is destroyed by Romans 8.1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? That's the way we've learned it, but that's what he's talking about. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in a life union with Jesus, the anointing one. Verse 2, for the law of the life-giving spirit flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish, because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Okay, so just to unpack that a little bit, what law is he talking about? Hmm? Sorry, I, the Torah. Yeah, it was, it was actually not just the Torah, it was the Mosaic Covenant, the, the Mosaic Law. That's what Paul always, when he says the law. Now, I have some people, not here, but I've had people comment to me, they, like, People say that the law is, is dead. Well, without the law, we would, we would be dead. And I was like, what are you talking about? Well, if somebody would just drive between here and Creston at, uh, as fast as they want, and there's no law, they're going to crash. I'm like, ah, uh, you're missing the point. That's not the kind of law that Paul was talking about. That's pulling it really out of context. But the law that Paul was talking about was the Mosaic law, the law that said, if you do this, you will be blessed. It was the law of blessing and cursing. It was the law that, that, that Moses had set up because Israel refused. Remember this, the, Israel refused the, the, the good covenant. And so the, it's called a, um, shoot, can't remember the name of it. Does anybody remember the name of what that covenant was that, that Moses or that the people of Israel rejected? No, darn it. I can't remember. It's like, it's right there. Anyway, there was a type of, it was a type of covenant that basically it was like the Abrahamic covenant where God said, I don't care what you do. I love you. And I'm just going to give you everything, right? I'm just going to love on you. I'm just going to pour my goodness on you. And there's, there's no, there's nothing you can do. That's going to break that law because it's between me and you. And I, I just love you. And that's what, um, that's what God offered Moses and the children of Israel's, because he says, I want to make your entire nation of priests. And the people said, no, we can't handle that. And so then a new type of covenant was given, and it was the covenant of a blessing and a cursing. And so when Paul wrote this, Jesus had left the earth. He had established the new covenant. And like in any covenant, there is a time between um, this gray area where one covenant still exists and the other one still is coming into being. 
and that was the time of 56 AD, because the Old Covenant did not actually finish until when? Anybody? The Old Covenant finished, was, was done in AD 70, when, when Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple was destroyed. That was the end of the Old Covenant because sacrifices ceased. There was no record. All the records were destroyed. There was no way that the Old Covenant could be resurrected. And it was the destruction of Jerusalem. So you had almost 40 years of in-between time where, where people were still figuring this out. So that's what Paul is talking about. He says, for the law of the life-giving spirit flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. And so when Jesus died, what was, those, what was his last words on the cross? I'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been way cooler. I'll be back. <laughs> no, it was what? It is finished. When he said, it is finished, what did he mean? No, but what did he mean? It is, yeah, yeah he, he said that, but what did it mean? Anyone? This is where you can be interactive all you want. What does in his, it is finished mean? Okay. Prophecies were fulfilled. What, okay, but what was finished? The law? No, the law didn't get finished until actually he rose again. No, because he was, that's later. Which? His commitment. It, that's close, yeah. He, he did, but so he finished the Father's will? So, but, so we have to actually look at this and go, what does it mean when he said, it is finished? I always thought that everything that was prophesied was done. The, the, you know, that, and then he was establishing the new covenant. Like, it's, it's done, it's finished. And, but actually, he had more to do before it was finished. Forty years had to, go, had to go on. What it is finished means, it's like it's the same concept of when you're paying off your mortgage and you have no debt. When, when he said that, when Jesus said that, it was the same phraseology in the Aramaic of when somebody would go to a money lender and say, here, I'm paying off my house. The debt that you owe, that I owe you, is now finished. And that was what Jesus meant when it says, it is finished, there is now no debt. The debt, the law of sin and death is now canceled against those who would believe in me. And there's some scripture, and I don't want to get into this because I don't want to tap into the whole universalism thing, but some believe that when Jesus said it is finished, that it canceled the debt on everybody, the entire human race, whether they believed in him or not. I'm not going to touch that at all this morning. I'm just saying that there is some cred credence, and it doesn't mean you're a universalist, but you still have to come to Christ and acknowledge and there is that. Okay, so anyway, don't want to get sidetracked. So it is finished. Yet God, um, this is verse four. Yet God sent us, sent us His Son in human form to identify with human weakness, clothed with humanity, 
God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and the power of sin. See, the old covenant law said, you do this, God will bless you. If you don't, you'll be cursed. If you do this, if you sin, right? So, it's, And we still get that feeling. We still have this mixture of the old covenant and the new. It's like if I tithe, God's going to bless me. Well, we're not even going to get into tithing. It's a separate sermon. But if I, if I do this, then I'll be blessed more. If I do this, I will be blessed. No, it's not. It's not a, it's not a cosmic crapshoot with God. It's like he loves us. He's given us the, the new covenant, and we walk in his spirit. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. So you can't unwalk in the spirit if you're in Christ. And that's something that we need to get into our heads. Like we've been bashed for so many years that are you walking in the flesh? Well, probably because I'm a living, breathing man. Well, you don't know what I mean, brother. Well, I kind of don't because you're actually putting something on me that isn't there. And we've, we've, we've set ourselves up with so much guilt and condemnation if we don't do something, because if we don't do something, then God's just not going to bless me. Or that he, he thinks less of me, so I can't do something. You know, I can't, let's just pick something. You know, I had a, I've had a bad day. I fought with Deanne, so actually I shouldn't be up here preaching. Right? Well, that's ridiculous. If, you, if I fought with Deanne today... It's maturity that says, you know, sweetie, like, we just need to deal with this, but can we do it later? I'm sorry. You know, as a, as a husband, I just say sorry anyway. Just, I'm sorry. Because it's usually my fault, right? Guys, anybody? Amen? No, I'm just kidding. No, it's, it goes back and forth. But it's to disqualify yourself because you're having a bad day is guilt and condemnation, and it's not from Jesus. Because as believers... I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm just going to finish this. As believers, we walk in the Spirit because Christ is in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. He's constantly in us. And so we have to say, by reason of... um, Shoot. By reason... See if I can say that again. If I say that word more and more times, I'll probably get my thought. No. If... If Christ is in us and the Holy Spirit is in us, we would have to be believe that we're walking in the Spirit. So when do we walk in the flesh? Before we knew Christ. Because he's redeemed us. He's redeemed our flesh. He, we are, Galatians says we are what? We are new creations. The old is what? Passed away and the new has come. We are new. We are alive. So when we come to Jesus, when we accept his life, we accept and we see what he has done. And we go, man, you died for me. You, you're the, the things that all the yuckiness in my life, all the sin, all the crap that was going on in my life before you. I come to you. Boom. I accept you. I know who you are. Holy Spirit, fill my life. Bam, baby. You're a new creation. So you're automatically, it, I believe, you automatically get baptized into a new life, into the Spirit. Now, does that mean you can have bad days? Yes, we all have bad days. But it doesn't mean that the flesh, whatever that means, 
Because the Bible, actually, if you look at the word flesh, it's, it's not just what we think it is. The Greek word for flesh is sarks, and it, it simply means... Um, dang it, I had it written down. I forgot the definition, I'm sorry. But it's not what we think it is. It's a living, breathing entity. It's, it's, it's who we are. It's an animal. It's flesh. It's, it's what, operate, what you operate in. But we're operating in the flesh when Christ is absent from our lives. But Christ isn't absent from our lives as a believer because he lives in us and he lives through us. So does that, does that make sense? It's like we've been taught that, you know, at some point we can walk in the flesh because Jesus isn't there. But at other times, you know, when, when we feel his presence, oh, he's there and that's good and, and, and we're torn. And I don't believe that Paul ever meant to convey that the Christian life would be one of being torn and being walking in condemnation and walking in guilt because you have a bad, you've had a bad day. If you look at the life of Paul, he had many bad days. You know, he was whipped, he was bruised, he was just, you know, he had a bad day. Well, with all the trials that Paul went through, all the times that he was whipped 39 times, shipwrecked, left for dead, stoned, and not with marijuana. I mean, he was stoned with big rocks, you know. He probably would, and I'm not even going to say that because we're on camera. Um, He had a bad day. He had, and yet you would think, is he still walking in the, in the spirit? Is he, in those times, was he walking in the spirit or walking in the flesh? Well, if he was walking in the spirit, those things would not have happened. Well, see, that's bad theology right there, too. Because whether we're walking in the spirit or being accused of walking in the flesh, we need to walk our lives out. And Christ has given us the power to, to, be, to partner with him and partner with the Holy Spirit and the Father's leading us no matter what happens. If God Has anybody here had an experience where God has called you into something and it was just, it was amazingly easy and you knew that God called you and it was just like laid out and it was just perfect? Anybody? Yeah. It, it happens. How many of you have actually been called by God to do something and you had, like, you had this strong impression that this is what God has called me to do and all, you, all, that came across, all that you faced was just pounding your head against a wall? That too, yeah. Was one God and one wasn't? No. You're being obedient. If God has called you to do something or gives you an idea to do something, you're, 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 you're listening and you're walking with him and you're understanding and it doesn't mean that it's going to be an easy ride. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said, in this world you will have trials. Paul would never have written, these are, the, these are what I've done in, in, for the kingdom. I've been beaten, I've been shipwrecked, I've been left out into sea for three days and three nights, I've been soaked, I've been starving, I've been... And yet no, no one has ever said to Paul that he was sinning or that God was judging him or God was punishing him. And there are those of us who believe this, that when we fall into times and seasons that things don't go as easy as you think, that, well, God must be just punishing me for something that I did. And that's, 
that's that's poo-poo. That's bad religious poo-poo. Really is. Because then it calls into character into question the character of God. And some would say, well, why did in the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament, why did God look, seem like he was angry all the time? He was simply fulfilling the, the, um, the requirements of that particular covenant. Because if you look at the character of God prior to the Mosaic covenant, all of the covenants before then, Adam, Abraham, um, those are the two main ones, Noah, he poured out his goodness on all of them, regardless of what they did. Abraham, you know, lied and cheated, and, and God's like, man, this is my best friend. Because he had a covenant with him. It's, a, it's called a kinship, kingship covenant. That's what it is. That was the word I couldn't remember before. And we now, with the new covenant, it's the same covenant that God established between Jesus and God saying, man, I'm going to include everybody in here, and we get the benefits of what Jesus did. And it's old, bad theology that, that has only been around for about 200 years, and it started in the Puritan and the Quaker time of, of history, where there was so much of, it's what you do, and if you do this, you're going to be blessed more, and God's going to love you more. So you work, 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 and you work, 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 and there's nothing wrong with work. Work is important. It's scriptural. It's kingdom. But if you're doing that to get his favor, that's the problem. So, what verse did we finish with? So verse 4, so now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't give you the sense that this comes and goes. It's like he's either in you or he's not. You either believe him or you don't. You either, and, it's, and I remember in the 70s and the 80s, there was like um, the you know, tracks and stuff that's, that had a picture of a throne and then it had a picture of a cross. And if you're living with the cross on your throne, then you're good. But then all of a sudden, one day, you take that cross off and you put the big S, the self. And, and that's living in the flesh. And it's like, I don't buy that. I, I believe that we can enter into times where we, we have a tantrum and we say, no, I'm going to do it my way. But even then, God says, I'm going to make that happen. And, and yeah, there's going to be consequence, but I'm going to allow you to do that. It's not like you're, do you understand? Like, I'm not communicating this well. I just don't agree with that. Because I believe that either Jesus is in us and we can still make mistakes or we don't believe in him. Mistakes are not bad. I made a few of them this week. And, and you just say, I'm sorry. And you get over it. And you change. That's part of repentance is, right? Repentance. Changing the way we see. We getting into God's, you know, God's perspective of what the situation is. Getting his heart on the matter. And then we go, oh, that's what you mean. So it, I don't believe that we can actually go between living in the flesh and living in the spirit. It's, it's as a believer, we are in the spirit because we're recreated into that. 
And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death. How many of us woke up this morning and were going, I want to die today? Yeah, Sue, that's you? Yeah, that's good. You don't, you don't, you, it just, you don't wake up in the morning and thinking, well, I have, my goal today is to die. My goal, to, like, unless there's some serious mental stuff going on. My goal is not, it just, in Jesus, our motivation just simply isn't, isn't that. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the spirit finds life and peace. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. And I really believe that Paul is talking about people who have not submitted their lives to Christ. He's not talking to Christians. He's not talking to believers, but to people who are going, if you haven't submitted yourself to Christ and you're not living a life of hope and and understanding and peace, then there's something Then you need to. Because then you're not accepting the forgiveness that Christ has given. When the Spirit of Christ, but when the Spirit in Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. If you are not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you are not of Him. Now Christ lives in you, and even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, His life-giving Spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Yes. God raised Jesus to life, and since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. See, there's the transition. We we were once dead, but now we're alive. We can't go back to being dead. It's not like you wake up and go, I'm going to walk in the spirit today, I'm going to walk in the flesh. No, I'm going to walk in the spirit right now. Oh, I I did this, I must be walking in the flesh. That is a schizophrenic religion. Because we just don't understand what's going on, right? I would prefer to live my life in Christ, walking in the Spirit, and still making mistakes, not saying it's perfect. But I'm going, oh, right. I want to, because our goal is to become more like Jesus. And that's where the fruit of the Spirit comes in, Galatians 5.22. All those fruits of the Spirit are products of what Christ has done in us. And that's the fruit of being in the Spirit. So let's look at verse 14. The mature children of God are only those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of us go, wow, I guess I'm not mature then? At times, I don't see any hands waved up, so everybody's mature here. That's good. No, but seriously, if if you're not mature... That's not a thing against you. It, it, it's like, you know, you look at a baby, you look at a, a small child, we never condemn them for being immature, right? We, it's like, oh, you kid, you're so immature, I can't believe it. I have no time for you. Get out. No. God views us like, 
like children sometimes, and he's like, you know, you know what? You're, you're maturing. I'm going to give you a little bit more to work with, right? It's not a bad thing. So the mature children of God are only those who are moved by the impulse of the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is really good. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. You did not receive a spirit of religious duty. So he's speaking to some of these Jewish people in Rome and that they, have, they feel that they have this duty to fulfill. And if they don't fulfill this duty, then they're, just, they're not true believers. And he's trying to break this idea that you don't have to go to temple. You don't have to do the sacrifices. You don't have to. You have a relationship. The tabernacle, the Holy of Holies is actually now in you because that's what Jesus did. It says, you did not receive a spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. How many of us struggle with this, like, well, I'm not good enough, so I can't do it. I can't, I just, and then if that's you, then you just have to stop it. <laughs> stop it. Did you see that video I posted on my Facebook? You know, the Bob Newhart, it was like, stop it. Seriously, it's, it's, um, You are good enough. You have to walk into that belief that you are good enough because of what Christ has done in you. He's changed you. He's made you whole. And if you haven't accepted that reality, then you need to actually get a hold of that. Leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. You know, I've heard people say, like, well, I, had, I've, I, I can't, I'm supposed to do this today, but I can't because I swore at my husband or something, or I swore at my wife, or I kicked my kids, or I yelled at my kids, or, you know, I kicked the dog down the stairs, and so I shouldn't probably lead Bible study tonight. You know, it's, again, I say in all sensitivity, that's poo-poo. El Toro Poo Poo. It's just not like that is not how God works. You can have a bad day and you come back into his presence and you go, Dad, I need you. I have a bad attitude. Yep. And the Holy Spirit corrects that. But what it requires of us is simply to be available and to listen. Does that make sense? And here's the next part. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. See, there's this, there's this tender interaction between us and the Holy Spirit and God speaking into us. It's like, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you do. I still love you. And when you can understand the love of the Father and, and what he has done to, 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 to pour out this love, you'll be forever changed. But if you have a hard time accepting love from anyone and you have a hard time accepting love from the Father, then there's the issue. And the issue is between here in your head and your heart. It's about 18 inches. And it's like, I, and for years, I, I struggled myself. I struggled with receiving the love of the Father because I didn't get 
unconditional love from my dad. So my dad was always the, and not my dad that you may have met, he's, that's my adopted father, but my, 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 my birth father, there was always this sense of, if you do this, I'll love you. If you clean your room, I'll love you, give you hugs. If you, whatever it was, and I was too young to really know, but it implanted something in me that I needed, I couldn't accept the love of the father. So now it's like 47 years later, 45 years later, whatever, more than, less than that because I've, I'm okay. I finally, when I finally got it, it was like, oh. And as soon as I got it, it was there and it's never left me. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I'm part of the family. I'm, this is who I am. I'm, I'm free to be who I am. Prickliness and all sometimes, you know, inappropriate me i because sometimes i say things that are totally inappropriate and i really enjoy the fact that we're live streaming now that i have to censor myself a little bit more right right isaiah but it's just it's it's who i am right but i know i'm loved and as the holy spirit says hey maybe it's time that we deal with this i'm going okay let's do that because i know you have the best for me And so that's what I kind of want to close with today is that understanding that we as believers walk in the spirit because of Christ in us. And we're constantly changing and we're maturing and we're growing and we're expanding our understanding and we're, 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 we're increasing our capacity to love him and him to love us and us to love others because of what he's done in us. And it's growing and we could not do that if we were not in the spirit. If the Spirit wasn't in us, we would have no desire to see other people grow and, other, and to love other people. If we have a capacity to love people, it's because of what Christ has done in us and the, and the, and the love that he's poured into us. And that may blow some of your theology because oftentimes God is working in people who don't know him yet and they have this amazing capacity to love And we've got to know that it was put there from the God of love. They may not understand the ins and outs of salvation and and accepting Christ and stuff like that, but they have a capacity to to love, and it's from Jesus because God is love. Right? He is love. He is love. He's the definition. You know, love, God. Love, definition, God. That's his character. And so we grow into that. I can love way easier today than I could 20 years ago, 25 years ago, 35 years ago when I first became a Christian. My capacity for love and to love people has grown immensely because I constantly walk in the Spirit and I'm growing and I'm maturing. And that's kingdom. And that's why the one law of the new covenant is simply love. The Old Covenant, the Mosaic Covenant, contained about 400 laws and things that they had to do. And Jesus came down and he broke it down to one thing, love each other. And how do you walk in the Spirit? Through love. All right? Good word? That was a good word. Let's stand and we will break for some lunch. We'll pray. I love kids. I love kids and the sound that they make. 
I seriously do. It's awesome. You know, the parents are going, shh. <laughs> it's awesome, though. Anybody pregnant yet? Is anybody pregnant? You're, James? I don't know. Some would say that I am, too, but... Triplets. Gestation of an elephant. Censored, yes. Father, I just thank you for every person in this room. I thank you that as long as everyone in this room has called you Lord and the Holy Spirit is in them, they are accepted. They are, well, they're accepted regardless, but they acknowledge who you are. And they can walk in the Spirit. They can walk in the maturity of who you are, and they grow, and they, they expand, and their, their daily lives are, are, are basically cause, are causing the kingdom to expand on a daily basis. So, Father, I bless that in them, and I bless every person in this room to, to have a deeper understanding of what it means to be accepted in the Father. And I just want to release to you those words from the Father saying, you are accepted. You are loved. And just take that in. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.